You know, it's important to declare that this morning because, you know, when you think about the people around you, many of us in this room are carrying burdens that we need to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ carries for us. And, uh, you know, the Lord has given you uh, a pathway to be able to, to take those burdens and turn them over to him. And so as we pray this morning, I want to read for us from the book of Philippians chapter 4. And as we listen to these words, and before we go into our time of prayer, um, I just want you to remember these words. Maybe it would be an encouragement to you, um, but let it instruct us all at the same time. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Think about that phrase. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here we go, church. Here's how we're supposed to do this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, this is the Apostle Paul, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. God gives us a pathway to take our burdens, to take the things that lead to a lot of anxiety and unrest in our hearts and turn them over to him, and he gives us incredible peace, a peace that we cannot generate in and of ourselves. And so as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, maybe you need to do that, just that. Think about the things that God has already shown you from his word and how he's moved in your lives and how he's moved in the lives of people around you, but also to remember to pray and to lay these things at the feet of the Lord this morning. And so let's just gather our hearts and pray this morning. And let's ask the Lord to do just that. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. Um, what I want to ask to do is we're going to just have a time of silence in the worship service. And I just want you to spend time talking to the Lord yourself. And then I'll close this in a few moments. But just spend some time talking to him. Talk to him about your heart, what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life. You know, we've been declaring and remembering the work of God as we've been singing, and as we've been praying, but even now... Let's take these things and let's turn them over to him and let the peace of, of God guard your heart, your mind in Christ Jesus. So let's pray.
Father, it's good to raise our voices and sing praises to you, sing the truth of your word to you. It's also good to just sit in silence, to be still before you. to be reminded that you are God and we are not. To remember and to declare to you that we need you desperately. That we need you to move along in our life, to lead us, to guide us, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to give us knowledge. We come to you because you're a God who has those things in an infinite way. You've created each of us, Lord, in your image. You've brought each of us into this world, Lord, to live this life, to pursue you, to walk with you. We don't know the, understand the past. We certainly don't understand what's going on fully in the present, and we certainly do not see the future, but you see it all. You know our hearts better than we know ourselves. You know us better than anyone in this room would know us. You know the burdens that we carry. You know the struggles that we face, experience, the difficulties of our lives, the victories of our lives. And you're a God that is, Lord, made himself so personal to us, so intimate with us. We cannot begin to understand the vastness of this world or the universe, but Lord, we know that you have come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have made yourself personal to us. And we can come to you directly right now, each of us in this room. We can talk to you, we can listen to you, we can turn our burdens over to you, and we know that you, Lord, will give us peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so we give these things over to you, Lord, that we've been praying to you and talking to you about in the last few moments. And we're just grateful to be here, Lord, among brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. We are thankful, Lord, to be among people who love you and who love us. And Father, as we look into your word over the next few moments, we just pray that you would speak into our life, God, and open our eyes, open our ears. We open our hearts to receive your truth, your word, and God, give us the adequate response that you want us to respond to you with this morning. God, help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to trust you. Help us to listen to you. Help us to obey you. Give us the faith we need to live this life you've called us to. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time, time that we've had to worship you through music time that we've had to talk to you and listen to you, Lord, as you've spoken to us through prayer. Lord, speak to us now through your word, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, good morning once again, and I hope you're doing well this morning. Hey, listen, um, I want you to just take a Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of Joshua. If you don't have a Bible or a copy of the Bible, that's okay. What I want to encourage you to do is take one of the Bibles right in front of you and the seat backs in front of you, and you can turn to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 5, and you see those verses we're going to get to in just a moment. Um, 
Hey, listen, uh, I want to thank you for those of you who prayed for our students. Our students have been away Friday night and then all day yesterday. They were at a conference over in Beaumont, and the Lord really moved in their lives, and I was really encouraged to hear that and among our adults who were, who were with them. And if they're a little tired this morning, you understand why. So, so they spent the night over there, as uh, students do. They weren't exactly in bed by 10 o'clock, if you know what I mean. Um, but then they had a great day yesterday, and I know our adults that went with them uh, had a great time. I know they're exhausted and tired as well, but uh, a good tired. Um, but uh, thank you for praying for them. Thank you for always supporting them. Many of you support them in different capacities, whether it's on Wednesday nights, throughout the week. You pray for them. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do for our students and uh, continue to see God move among that group. Um, and uh, we had a great morning yesterday among our men. Our men gathered yesterday morning. We prayed together around tables in the family center. We had a great meal we looked at God's word, but it was a really good time for fellowship. And I just want to encourage you men, if you, when we have these opportunities to come, we had a men's breakfast yesterday morning. We were together, I don't know, about an hour, hour and a half or so, but just to come and be a part of fellowshipping with our men, but also hearing about how God um, uh, is, is and can move in your life uh, among you as a man, you know, moving forward in the life of our church. So it was a great morning, and I just want to encourage you to be a part of those things when we have them, those opportunities that we have out there, okay? Well, this morning we're in Joshua chapter 5, and I want you to look there with me. I'm going to read the text for us, and we're going to walk through it together, okay? As simple as that. The Bible says this, when Joshua was, in verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho. Now, there's, between verse 12 and 13, there's something else that's gone on there, right? We're going to get to that in a minute. But in verse 13, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face on the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. What an important passage. It seems like the last several weeks as we've walked through the book of Joshua, it's all about preparation. It seems as though they have kind of drug on. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, let's get to the conquest of, the, of, the, of Canaan, of the promised land for, for, you know, come on, let's go. And it just seems as though it's not happening yet. You know, God has brought his people to the brink of coming into the promised land. He's established his leader. And of course, they come across this river called the Jordan River. They get into this place called Gilgal. We've got all of these things happening. But come on, let's get to the good stuff, right? That's Jericho. And let's get to the other cities. Let's get to the conquest. Let's get to the, the cool stuff, if you will, of conquest of the conquest when it comes to bringing God's people into Canaan, but it's all strategic. And it is all important for you and I to understand because what God is doing in their hearts and what God is doing in their lives is what God wants to do in our lives, church. What God wants to do in our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, right? He's preparing them for the work that he has in store for them that he wants to do in their lives, right? So the Lord comes to Joshua at the beginning of Joshua, right? And he says, listen, you know, I'm, I'm for you. Uh, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. He tells him to be strong and courageous. He doesn't say it once. He doesn't say it twice. He says it how many times? Three times in Joshua chapter 1. And then he establishes Joshua as God's people, their leader of God's people. And he promises them all of these incredible things. And he establishes him as his leader. 
He commands them, listen, I don't want you to run ahead. I don't want you to run ahead, jump across the Jordan River and go into, the, into, into Canaan. You're not ready yet. In fact, what he does is he takes the Ark of the Covenant, which is the what? The presence of God. And he takes the presence of God and he tells the priest, this is God saying, doing this. And God then tells the priest to step into the Jordan River. And as they stand into the Jordan River, what begins to happen? This incredible miracle begins to happen. Just like, remember, the Red Sea parts, what happens to the Jordan River? <whistles> parts. And there is the presence of God literally standing in the Jordan River with the priests and God's people are about to go into the promised land, but they don't go ahead of the Lord. They put their eyes on the Lord, the presence of God, which is the Ark of the Covenant in that day and age, right? And they don't move ahead of him yet. They watch him do this incredible work. So the Jordan River splits apart. God's people step into the, 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 uh, the riverbed of the Jordan River, and they cross, the, they cross Canaan. By the way, y'all, this sends shockwaves throughout Canaan. Because you see what happens in all of these big, fortified, massive cities, these city-states, if you will, in Canaan. Canaan is not like the United States of America as one country. It's a massive region full of all kinds of city-states, of Jericho, and we're going to see Ai, and we're going to see all of these little city-states that make up Canaan. God has given his people this land, and he's about to do this amazing work. But it sends shockwaves throughout all of Canaan. This is no ordinary army that is crossing the Jordan River as they come into what is now called Gilgal, what we see in the, in the Bible called Gilgal. There's this big emotional high, right? God's people cross the Jordan River, and they're now into the, uh, the they've crossed the land, across the river. Now they're into the land that God is going to give to them, but, but they're still not ready. I mean, they're in this emotional high as though they're ready to go. Okay, I can't believe God is with us. God is with us. He has shown himself to us. We've set up this memorial, as we saw in the first couple chapters, a few chapters there, that the Lord has different plans. He's not ready to move his people on. They might be in a hurry, but the Lord is not in a hurry. We might be in a hurry, but sometimes the Lord is not in a hurry. He doesn't work along our timetable and the what we want, Right? And here on the plains of the Jordan River, the last couple chapters we've seen this, they needed to obey the commands of the Lord that they had long, that had long been forgotten. So he brings them to this, this reminder of a covenant. He wants to establish his covenant with his people once again. And what's the sign of that? It's circumcision. We saw this. All the men are circumcised, right? And they're there. And as they are there and as they are healing and so forth, God doesn't just bring them to a place where he reestablishes his covenant. He brings them to a covenant meal, the Passover. And he reminds them that he is their Lord and that he is with them. And there in Gilgal, chapter 5, you would think that they're ready you would think that there would be this incredible rallying speech by Joshua. It's like the movies, right? He jumps in front of the people of God and he says, okay, let's go into, the, into Canaan. Let's go take on Jericho. But that's not what we see in the Bible. That's the movies. But it's oftentimes not how the Lord works. In fact, it isn't how the Lord works. I want you to see this morning just in these few short verses that there are two big things that we need to understand and see that are important and applicable in our lives just as they were for God's people. And why this little passage of three little verses is so strategic before they go into the promised land. 
I want you to notice here Joshua's encounter with God. And then I want you to notice Joshua's response to God. Now, you got to understand what's happening. Look at verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, that didn't just happen. If you look back at verse 12, it says that the manna ceased that day, and they ate the produce of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. You see, as God's people are healing up, as they have this covenant meal, there is a moment when Joshua, who is the leader of God's people, the leader of God's army, makes his way to Jericho, maybe by the shroud of night and darkness, and he makes his way to the walls of Jericho, and he is surveying the challenge. I mean, this is what a good leader does. You move ahead of the people that you're trying to lead and you survey, you, you, you process, you, you think about your strategy, you consider and you, you consider what and what are the weaknesses of the walls of Jericho. You, you consider what are, the, what are the things that we need to do. You come up with your battle plan. Here is Jer- there's Joshua on the brink of taking on Jericho, this big, massive city-state. And he's surveying the walls. And he's walking around and he's looking at the challenge. And he's thinking to himself, okay, I've got my plan. I've come up with my battle strategy in every way. way. And so he's surveying all of these things. It's in that space that he looks up and he sees this person. Look at verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold. That means it just, bam, it happened. It wasn't like it just kind of this guy kind of came out of the darkness and came from a distance of about 100 yards away. And he had his eyes, no, it was like, bam, there he is. Behold, it says in verse 13, a man was standing before him with his sword, his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? So he's serving. He's, he's looking. He's plotting about his, his, what he's going to do. And suddenly this man appears out of nowhere. And Joshua moves towards him. Why? Because he sees him as a threat. He's got his sword drawn. And quickly begins to question him. And so he asked that simple question at the end of verse 13, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Look at what the man's response is at the beginning of verse 14. He said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. You see, here's the thing. Joshua was the human commander of God's people. He was the man that God had chosen to be over God's people, and here he stood in the presence, however, of the true commander of God's people the true commander of the army, the true commander of who was going to be leading God's people into the, into the promised land, right? This is the true commander. Well, who is this? Look at the text again in verse 13 and 14. It's certainly not just simply an angel. There are many reasons for that. It's not simply an angel that shows up on behalf of God. What this is is a, an example of what the Bible calls, or not the Bible calls, but what you kind of, when you study the Bible, you understand that there are these moments of what's called a theophany. It's when God shows up in the Bible in human form. Okay, we see this in the Bible in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush, or he shows up and speaks to God's people. We see it in Exodus chapter 19. In Genesis chapter 32, God wrestles with Jacob all night long in that particular passage. God shows up. He showed up then, and he showed up here. He shows up here on the brink of going into and truly starting the campaign of taking the promised land. Jacob needed to be reminded of who the true king or true commander of the army 
was. This is the heavenly army that was poised to take on uh, the, 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 the people of Jericho and the people of all of these city-states, and here is the Lord handing down a divine mission, himself coming in and speaking in to this space. It wouldn't be Joshua who was the leader of God's people going into the promised land. It was the Lord himself who was the commander of the army. Joshua has this a divine encounter. I want you to notice his response. Look at verse 14. We see this response in 14 and 15. And he said, no, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And what does he do? Joshua falls on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? No doubt, no doubt Joshua knew he was in the presence of the Lord. I mean, you see the response. He falls on his face. And what does he do? He worships. He worships. It's the only proper response when he lays down and he begins to worship the commander of the Lord's army. He's saying something. Here is brave Joshua, someone who is planning an attack here in Jericho, someone who, who has, has, has been handpicked by God, who, who is in this space and who is leading God's people into the promised land. All of a sudden, a man comes in, he feels threatened, only to realize that it's the Lord himself, only to realize that this is the commander of the Lord's army. It is the Lord himself, and what does he do? He bows, he worships, he humbly wants to know what he, God wanted him to do. What do we see next? He then rises and begins and proceeds to once again obey God's command. Look at verse 15. And the commander, the Lord of the army, said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Listen, church, why is God doing this here in Joshua's leadership? Why is God doing this for the God's people in this place in this time? Because he wants to remind them, just as God wants to remind us, that it is the Lord who fights for us. It's the Lord who is going to fight for his people. I want you to think about this. Because listen, in your life, when you come to a place in your life where you choose to follow Jesus Christ, and I know that in a room like this, that not all of us are followers of Jesus Christ. I know that there might be people watching online who are not followers of Jesus Christ. But you come to the understanding in your life at some point that you've got to go from really, 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 really liking Jesus to allowing him to be your Lord and your Savior and truly following him with your heart. As Jesus says, right, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except here's the thing, and here's the caveat to that. I've got to come Jesus' way. I've got to follow his path, not my own path to Jesus. But when you get to that point where you understand that you're a sinner and you understand that the life that you're living and the direction in your life that you're going is wrong and you choose to stop, and you do an about face, and you start to follow him with your life, that's called repentance. And when you choose to follow his way and his path, and when you choose to go his direction, then what God does in your life is he forgives you of your sin, he restores you, he changes your heart, and he gives you a new heart. He gives you a new direction in life. And when you do that, listen, when you do that, you're never ever left alone to live this Christian life on your own. 
And what you come to realize in your life is that the Lord now steps into your life. He steps into that space that you're trying to live. He, he steps into those challenges, those burdens, those difficulties in your life. He brings about these victories in our life, and then he helps us and enables us, listen, stay with me, to process those victories so that we don't get too high and mighty in our lives. To recognize that it's all us, it is the Lord, and it reminds us to stay humble in our life. God is the one orchestrating. God is the one working. God is the one moving. He never abandons us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The Lord fights for you. He fights for me. When I submit to God's authority in my life, and I submit to his way of living in my life. Then he comes alongside me and he begins to promise that he will help me to grow in spiritual maturity. He will help me to grow out of myself into what his will is for my life. Into what kind of a life that he wants me to live in my life. What a reminder that I am, no, I am never alone on the journey. But the Lord is always with me. And there's a lot of, there's a couple big things that I think we can take away from these three little short verses in our own individual life. And I want you to be reminded of these things this morning. I want you to realize here, first of all, that you need to re realize the Lord's presence in your life. That is so big. The Lord's presence is real. His presence is there in your life. I don't want you to miss the detail here. Where is Joshua's focus in verse 13, his focus is on Jericho. His focus is on the walls of Jericho. Yet, what does the Lord's presence do in that moment? It takes his focus off of Jericho and it puts it on himself, on the Lord of the army, on the commander of the army of the Lord, right? It takes the focus off of the challenge and off of the task and the monumental feat and it puts it on God himself and this is what God is doing here. God has raised up Joshua. God has positioned Joshua in this place. He's brought his people across the Red, sea, the Red Sea and then inevitably to the Jordan River. He's brought them across the Jordan River. He's got them into Gilgal. They have followed him and they have obeyed him and they're following Joshua and they've gone through circumcision. They've come to the covenant meal. They're here, they're poised, they're ready to go. And what do we find Joshua there and God steps in in this space to get his focus and his attention off of the feet and off of the challenge and put it on God himself and he needed to be reminded of that. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 28 verse 20 tells these disciples what an incredible task that he gives these men at the end there of, of Matthew chapter 28. He says, go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And what does he say on the back end? And lo, I will what? Be with you always, even to the end of the age. Presence. Jesus reminds his disciples, the Lord reminds us of his presence in our life. He's always present with his people. And in your life, you need to be reminded of the presence of Jesus Christ that is there. Jesus is there just as he was on the banks of the, of the Sea of Galilee when his disciples were there. He is there just as he was there on that mountain with Peter, James, and John when he began to take off his man clothes and he, he, he showed them his glory, right? He is there in your life. Listen, 
He is there in your life, speaking into your life by way of the Holy Spirit, just as he spoke to the men on the, on the road to Emmaus following his resurrection. He is there in your life, just as he was with Paul on the road to Damascus. He is there just as he was with Peter in John chapter 21, walking on that beach, restoring the life of Peter. He is there in your life, just as he was when he was filling the bellies of thousands of people with a, sh a little bit of lunch. He is there in your life, and you need to be reminded of this, he is there just as he was every time his people gathered for worship. He is present here with us this morning, church. He is there. His presence is there. His presence is there when you open your word, the word of God, your Bible. Alone in your house, early on a Tuesday morning or a Monday morning with your cup of coffee, and you begin to read the words of God spoken into your heart. He's there to encourage you. He's there to correct you. But his presence is there. Joshua needed to be reminded of this. And when, what does the presence of the Lord do in your life? Well, it produces faith, doesn't it? He produces faith. It reminds us, and it reminds me, and it reminds you of who it is that God is. It was going to be required for Joshua, because here in chapter 5, it's going to give away to chapter 6, and he's just about to tell Joshua, and give Joshua, you, listen, you ready for this? He's about to give Joshua the battle plan. Joshua may have already in his mind how he's going to defeat Jericho, but he's about to give Joshua the way in which he was to defeat Jericho, and it had nothing to do with a sword. It had nothing to do with physical violence. It had everything to do with what? Trusting and obeying the Lord of the army. It produces faith in our life. It produces love in our life. A love for the Lord produces a love in us towards each other. That's what the presence of the Lord does in our lives. We get our eyes and our focus off of, 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 our, of the things going on around us. It gets our eyes and our focus off of the things and the monumental tasks that God tells us to do, and it puts our focus on the Lord himself. It leads to faith, and it leads to love. I want you to, this morning, as we take away these three verses, and you build them into your life to remember that the Lord fights for his people, yes, but to realize the presence of the Lord in your life. But there's a second thing I want you to remember out of this story. And don't miss the detail of what God says to Joshua here. Because you need, you need to not only realize the presence of God, you need to realize his position. His position. I mean, look at the text again. These three short verses. He sees this man. Verse 14 he says, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? What does God say? No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. He lays out his position. He doesn't come alongside Joshua and say, hey, Joshua, remember me back in chapter one? Remember me back in chapter two? No, he, what does Joshua do? Joshua wants to know, are you for me? Are you against me? And the Lord says, no, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. What a relief it was for Joshua. Here's the thing, every military plan has flaws, doesn't it? <laughs> every military leader 
can sit down and strategize maybe with those men around him or individuals around him who were speaking into that, that space to help them put together this incredible action plan to take on an enemy or an adversary. But there is always in the back of one's mind, this may not work. There's no sure guarantee Although there is a tremendous amount of responsibility upon a leader, there is a tremendous amount of responsibility on those military leaders specifically who might lead an army into battle. There is this phrase in the back of a leader's mind, don't mess this up. (laughs) You've got this plan, you've got this direction, you know what, what you think is right, just don't mess this up. But there is in the back of someone's mind, in one's mind, listen, This may mess up. Something may go wrong. But what a relief for Joshua. Because this is all about the Lord and his position. Then comes this announcement in verse 14 and 15 to Joshua, right? He doesn't carry this responsibility alone. And I think about that role in my role as a pastor. (laughs) Any pastor of a church, of a local church, does not carry that burden alone. He carries it in the presence of the Lord. I think about 1 Peter chapter 5. says this, and uh, Peter said this to a group of pastors one day. He said, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not by shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering those over your charge or under your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Verse five says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves with all of you with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And aren't we glad? God gives a lot of grace. The fact of the matter is, that is a tremendous responsibility, but it is also a tremendous comfort for those in leadership of God's churches. You see, in life, we're stewards of God's authority, always. We understand that, you know, as a parent, you understand that as a parent. God has given you boys and girls. He's given you children to steward that authority over. He's given you as a school teacher stewardship of students in your class. Maybe you are a coach of a, of a team. He's given you stewardship of, of guys or girls who are, who are you are shaping and you're having an influence over. Men, he's, those of you who are married, he's given you stewardship. He's given you a marriage, a, 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 a marriage to cultivate, to, to protect, to work, to do these things in, right? He's given you this authority. He's given you this leadership within your own home. We're stewards of God's authority, The fact of the matter is, what Joshua needed to understand that day is in verse 14, is this. Joshua needed to understand he was under authority. Joshua was under the commander of the army of the Lord. And he needed to remember that. God is not the God of just Christian ambition, by the way. I mean, if I just have this desire to do something for God, it doesn't mean that God is just going to be with me. But what he is with me in in the direction of, he is in my life. He is overseeing the things that are his will for my particular life. And I always remember that. He is the commander of the army of the Lord. So when I realize that the presence of God is there, and I realize that his position of what his position is and who he is in my life, 
then what does it lead me to? It always leads me to worship and holiness in my life, striving to follow the Lord with my life. I mean, that's what happens here in verse 14 and 15. He falls on his face to the earth. He worships him. What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the army, the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals, your feet, for the place that you're, you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. In light of the presence and the position of the Lord, Joshua did what? He fell on his face and he worshiped. He fell on his face and he worshiped. Man, I am so encouraged by verses like Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Think about these verses, right? We know these. Many of us know these. Paul says this, what shall we say then of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who also bring, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Jesus Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, meaning he's praying for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He says, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long, for we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's with you. He's for you. But the response that we have by way of his presence and his position in our life and the reality of that truth is that we pursue him with worship. We pursue him with righteousness. We pursue him with, with holiness in our life. Listen to this quote. Worship is the highest elevation of the spirit and yet the lowliest prostration of the soul. Think about that. The weight of that. If you're in law enforcement, you know this. If you've ever been stopped by someone in law enforcement, you also know this. Because you think about this. When you're driving down the road through downtown Livingston, and all of a sudden, you look in your rearview mirror and you see those lights. What happens in your mind and your heart? All of a sudden, you have a police officer stopping you. Those of you who are police officers, it's okay. But, but what, what, what happens? Your whole nature changes, doesn't it? Your mind changes. Your, your attitude changes. You begin to think about, what did I do? What, 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 was I driving too fast? Was I driving too slow? Maybe my sticker's, you know, out of, out of date. But what, what happens? It's the presence and the position of that individual in your life that all of a sudden is reminded something changes in you. And it is how it is when it comes to the presence and the position of God. Listen, he is always there. But the reminder that we have when God reminds us of his presence and his position is one of worship. It is one of holiness. We often find ourselves alone, not pursuing holiness or living an attitude of worship at times. We begin to grow apathetic. We begin to grow and spiritually drift in our life. We've forgotten about his presence. We've forgotten about the position of Christ. He's there. He's always been there. His presence is there in my life. He is the Lord of my life. Therefore, why am I thinking this way? Why am I living this way? Why am I not living more towards the way he wants me to live? You see, that's what the presence and the position of the Lord Jesus Christ does in our hearts. 
And this is what Peter reminds us of in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Listen to these words. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, he's not done. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I mean, that's a call to all of us. That's not a call to a pastor. That's not a call to a missionary. That's not a call to a a Bible study leader or a deacon of a church. That's a call to all of us to pursue righteousness with our life, holiness with our life. When the Lord is there, the Lord provides, he fights for his people. He fights for his people. Therefore, listen, church, realize his presence is there. Realize his position. Turn away from the things that you might be following and believing in and start worshiping him with your life. It leads to goodness. It leads to his grace. It leads to blessing in your life, right? So what do you do with the commander of the Lord of the army? You submit to it. You submit to him. You know your place in the battle. You know, the fact of the matter is, your place in the battle, the spiritual battle of your life is not front. Your place in the spiritual battle of life is behind the cross of Jesus. Because Jesus has already done the work for you. Now what he requires you to do and what he requires me to do is to follow him by way of the cross. I can't know him and I can't get behind the cross until I get myself behind the cross. And that's surrender my life to Jesus. But when I surrender my life to Jesus, then I am to get behind the work of Jesus on the cross and follow him. Not move ahead of him, but also not lag behind him. I follow him. And when I follow him, he does the work that he wants to do in my life and through my life. If I just trust him and I follow him. So get behind the cross. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Listen, we're going to have a time here at the end of our service to sing and to worship him. How does God want you to respond to this call upon our lives just as he was calling on Joshua to worship and to pursue holiness with his life and to follow the commander of the army of the Lord? The Lord fights for his people. Remember that. And believe that this morning and submit to his work you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, confess your sins and repent of your sin and start trusting and following him, then I'll be here at the front and you just come on down here and you tell me that. You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to come and you'd have to just come here to the front and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you've done that during the week. Maybe you just need to come and make that publicly known. I want you to come tell me. Maybe you just need prayer over a particular matter, over a situation or a particular person. I don't know what's going on in your lives, but I'll be here at the front to pray with you over any particular matter, I promise you. Maybe God's speaking to you about joining our church, being baptized. Whatever God is speaking to you about, you need to respond and move with courage. God will work in your heart. But you've gotta move and you've gotta act. on what he's been telling you to do. Let me pray for us.
and we'll stand and sing. Father, thank you this morning just for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that it brings us, the encouragement that it brought Joshua, the encouragement that it brought and brings to us this morning. You are our Lord. And we thank you that we can trust you, that we can get behind you, that we can follow you because we know that, Lord, the direction you want to take us is the direction, Lord, that leads to life. It leads to joy. It leads to prosperity and the ways that you want to bless our lives. And so thank you for that this morning. Give us the courage to respond to you today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.